Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter 42. Genesis chapter 42. As you're finding your place in Genesis chapter 42, I want to kind of be a little transparent this morning. Actually, a lot transparent this morning. My, My normal procedure in sermon preparation is on Thursday mornings uh, I'm in the office in my office at at my house and that's when I usually finish my Sunday morning sermon okay just put all my thoughts together and and you know usually it takes multiple weeks for me to put together a message but Thursdays is my morning to to do Sunday morning. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, well, needless to say, Thursday morning was the day that uh, was the morning that my dad, my dad passed away. And so um, uh, that, that was not a doable thing. If that, does that make sense? Okay. Um, so Friday I sat at my desk and I said, God, <laughs> I've got to have a sermon for Sunday. And my, my brain as you can imagine, was tired. Uh, I was having difficulty focusing, and it was it, it was it was not a normal preparation morning, if that makes sense. So, <clears throat> um, I. Out of, <clears throat> I don't want to use the word frustration, but that's the only word that's coming in my mind. Um, uh, I I thought, okay, I, I just just get started, and I read the passage one more time that we are about to read. God did a miraculous thing in my heart. The message I'm about to preach to you. Um, was nothing like what I had originally planned. But God showed me something I had never seen before in this particular passage. So really what I'm going to do this morning is just share with you what God did in my heart last Friday morning. So if if it... I hope it's a blessing to you, uh, because it was to me. But uh, let's just dig into it, okay? Uh, the title of my message this morning is "Understanding Grace." When I the, the, last Friday, when I sat and I read this portion of scripture, God showed me grace like I had never seen it before. Understanding grace. The grace of God is something that men have been been trying to define for centuries. Um, and I, I am I am not telling you this morning I have all the answers when it comes to the grace of God, because it is far more than I believe we in this life can comprehend. Does that make sense? Okay. But I believe that God 
through this story is going to give us a, a, just a glimpse into, the, into his grace in your life and my life. The grace of God is not an A, B, C equals C kind of answer. Okay? I, I don't believe it is. Uh, God's grace goes to the core of who God is. <clears throat> I believe in our story here, the life of Joseph, that it goes to the core of who Joseph was. So let's read Genesis chapter 42. Let's start reading in verse 23. <clears throat> and they knew not that Joseph understood them. Now this is talking about Joseph's ten, ten brothers. For he spake unto them by an interpreter, and he turned himself about from them and wept and returned to them again and communed with them and took from them Simeon and bound him before their eyes. And Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with corn uh, and to restore every man's money into a sack and gave them provision for the way. And thus he did unto them. And they laid, laid hand, uh, their asses with the corn and departed thence. And as <clears throat> one of them opened his sack to give his ass, uh, uh, provide, prov prov anyway, provider, um, uh, in the end, he espied, uh, he espied uh, uh, his money, for behold, it was in the sack's mouth. And he said unto his brethren, My money is restored, and lo, it is, uh, it, uh, it is even in my sack. And their heart failed them, and they were afraid, saying one to another, what is this that God has done unto us? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for grace. Thank you for your love and the work you do in our lives. And you are always working in our lives. And I am so thankful for that. As we talked about earlier, one of the attributes of God is your patience. Thank you. Help us, dear God, this morning to put away the busyness of our lives for just a few moments so that we might allow the Spirit of God to speak to our hearts, that our lives might be changed. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I've heard many definitions. When I was in Bible college, every professor that ever taught on this idea of grace gave you a different definition of grace. And I've heard many, and, and like I said, men for centuries have been trying to define it. But one of my favorites is just two words. Undeserved favor. Undeserved favor. <clears throat> and as I contemplated these two words, undeserved uh, favor, I thought, you know, understanding God's grace is more than just those two words. 
God's grace is, it, it is unexplainable. That's why there are so many definitions of grace, because it, 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 we cannot wrap our heads around it. Joseph's demonstration of grace uh, <clears throat> toward his brothers was giving them what they did not deserve. He did not give them what they deserved. God's grace to mankind is the is very similar. God's gift to mankind goes against human thinking. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 it says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, while we were unworthy, Christ died for us. Let, let, let me rephrase that. We are never worthy of what Christ did for us. Yet he did it anyway. That does not make sense to us. But that is the grace of God. Many years ago, I, I read a story, and I want to share it with you because I, I think that this, this story kind of helps us understand what grace is about. Many of you, probably most of you, everyone here probably has heard of Billy Graham. And, and to tell you how, as we read the story, you're going to think, wow, this is an old story, okay? But anyway, Billy Graham was driving through a small southern town one time, and he was stopped by a police officer and charged for speeding. Graham admitted his guilt, but the officer told him that he would have to appear in court. The judge asked him, are you guilty or not guilty? When, <clears throat> when Billy Graham pleaded guilty, the judge replied, that'll be $10, a $1 for every mile an hour you're over the speed limit. Boy, wouldn't that be nice? <clears throat> After the judge said that, he recognized who Billy Graham was. And the, the judge said, hey, the fine must be paid. So the judge pulled out his own wallet, took a $10 bill and attached it to the ticket and paid the bill for Billy Graham. And after court was over, the judge took Billy Graham out for a steak dinner. Later, Billy Graham said this. That is how God treats a repentant sinner. He not only pays the debt, but he takes us out to a steak dinner. What a, what a beautiful picture of God's grace in our lives. At the beginning, I told you I was going to be transparent this morning, and I don't know how else to be. But as I read the exchange between Joseph and his brothers, 
I saw a simple exchange between one man and his ten brothers. But my mind was drawn back to an exchange between God and my dad a little over a year ago when he gave his life to Christ. And as I sat there and I thought about it, I thought back to an event a little over 42 years ago when I gave my life to Christ. God's grace. God's grace. And if you're saved this morning, that exchange has taken place in your life as well. Point number one. Understanding grace. Number one. What did they deserve? What did they deserve? Look Look at verses 21 to 23. And it says, And they said one to another, We are very guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. And Reuben answered them saying, uh, spake I not unto you saying, do not this sin against the child and ye would not hear. Therefore behold also his blood is required. What is that saying? That, that last phrase in verse 22. His blood is required. And that, what he's saying is he is admitting we deserve to die. Verse 23. And they knew not. Joseph understood them. For he uh, spake unto them by an interpreter. The word deserved here has a negative and a positive connotation to it. The word deserved means basically it can it, we can we can deserve punishment because of what we've done or we can deserve praise for what we have done. Does that make sense? In this connotation, it is a negative punishment. What they admitted here that they deserved to die for what they had done. So what did they deserve? They deserved death. Joseph's desire was to restore the relationship with his family. And God has that same desire for mankind. We deserve death because of what we've done. But God has a desire to have a relationship with every one of us. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. What we deserve because of what we've done is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Second Peter chapter 3 in verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
Jesus himself answers this question, why did Jesus come to the earth? Why did Jesus go through everything that he, that he went through? Jesus answers this himself. <clears throat> Excuse me. That, that, no. The Apostle Paul answers the question, why? In Acts chapter 26, in verse 18, it says, To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and to the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith <clears throat> that is in me. So here the Apostle Paul is telling why Jesus came to turn men from darkness to light. Paul here in this, the context here in Acts chapter 26, he's talking to King Agrippa. And King Agrippa says, why do you keep preaching the gospel for this reason? See, the whole reason Jesus came was not to lift himself up, but to save mankind. But Jesus takes this idea of grace to a different level, a level that we have a hard time comprehending. Look at uh, in, in, uh, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, he says this to his disciples. He says, but I say unto you, which here, love your enemies. Let's stop right there. Love your enemies. That in itself was a revolutionary concept. The, the people that were listening were absolutely blown away by what he just said. Love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on, the, on one cheek, offer <clears throat> uh, uh, also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not uh, to take thy uh, coat also. Give to every man that asketh, asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should uh, do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For ye, for excuse me, for if ye love them <clears throat> which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also even do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye, but but love ye your enemies, and do good and lend, hoping for nothing, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful 
end to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful as your Father is merciful. Jesus takes this idea of grace to an entirely different level. He's telling us not that we should just tolerate our enemies. He's telling us to love our enemies. I don't know about you, but that's a difficult thought for me. Joseph was a man who understood grace. He understood that as his brothers stood before him, deserving to die, he did not have them put to death. Joseph was a man who understood grace. And this morning, my dad understands grace. Number one, understanding grace. What did they deserve? Number two, grace and bitterness cannot coexist. Look at verse 23. And they knew not that Joseph understood them, for uh, he spake unto them by an interpreter, and he turned himself about from them and wept, and returned to them again, and communed with them, and took from them Simeon and bound him before their eyes. Grace and bitterness cannot coexist. As Joseph listened to his brothers admit the fact that they knew in their hearts that they deserved to die because of what they had done, Joseph's heart was broken. Had Joseph been harboring bitterness all those years, Joseph would not have been able to cry because of the bitterness. As I thought about this, my, my mind went back to the cross. And as I thought of anybody who has ever walked the face of this earth, who has deserved to be bitter, it would be the Lord Jesus Christ because of all the things that were done to him. The lies, the accusations, the beatings, the everything, the torture, all of that. but yet he never got bitter. I want to read to you what we call the seven sayings of the cross. Jesus' last words here on earth, while he was on the cross, these are the last words that Jesus spoke. And I want you to see the grace that is interwoven with every single one of these words. Luke chapter 23 and verse 34, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I can't think of a more appropriate statement to define grace than that. Luke chapter 23, verse 43, the second thing that he said on the cross, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise in reference to the thief 
that was hanging next to him. John chapter 19, verse 26, Woman, behold thy son. Jesus, looking down from the cross, looks at Mary, his, his mother, and says to John, the apostle John, said, John, take care of mom now. Mark chapter 15, verse 34. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Culminating all the grief and the pain and the, everything that he had to experience. That's grace. In John chapter 19, verse 28, he says, I thirst. You say, how does that show grace? That is his humanity crying out for a drop of water. John chapter 19, verse 30, he says, it is finished. And then in Luke chapter 23, verse 46, he says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Grace demonstrated not an ounce of selfishness on the cross, not an ounce of bitterness, only love for people that didn't deserve it. How many of you, now don't raise your hand, but how many of you deserve what Jesus did for you? Not one of us. That, my friend, is grace. But it's even more than that. I want, one of the things, I, I don't want you to misunderstand Joseph's actions in verse 24. Because you could read this and think, well, he was being hateful to his brother Simeon. Just the opposite is true. Joseph, what, Joseph was doing what was best for his family. And, and, and if, if all you can see is this one verse, then you need to continue reading because I've read the rest of the story. And because of what Joseph does here, it, 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 It puts in place, and we'll see it in chapter 43, but because Joseph does what he does here, it puts in place some actions by his, his older brother, um, uh, uh, Reuben. Um, Reuben starts to take control and do things that he should have been doing all along. So it, it is really actually a good thing. Another thing here that is, is important is Joseph had to control his emotions and trust God's perfect plan. So often we get in situations and when we are hurt, what is our first response? And we're all guilty of it. Don't you be pious and say, oh, not me. 
because you just lied, okay? What happens when we get hurt? What do we want to do? We want to hurt back. Every one of us. When somebody's been cruel to us, we want to be cruel back. When somebody has said something, man, we want to... But you know what? It's not like we want tit for tat. We want, we want, we want them to pay for what they've done. Am I right? That they hit us. We hit them back harder. That's how we are. That's our nature. But what does Joseph do? Joseph doesn't allow his emotions to take over and circumvent God's plan for his family. Because of God's grace and God's willingness to forgive, my father today is walking the streets of gold. Because of God's grace and God's willingness to forgive, you and I have the same promise. That's grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Uh, Psalm chapter 107, verse 1, um, Give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom it uh, is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. We must learn to treat others like Christ treats us with grace. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. What did they deserve? They deserved to die. Grace and bitterness cannot coexist. Number three, what did they receive? What did they receive? Look at verse 25. And then then, uh, Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with corn. The word corn there, by the way, just simply means grain. It could be corn, but it could be any kind of grain. Okay, just saying, just so you know. Um, uh, To restore every man uh, his money uh, into a sack and... Uh, give them provision for the way. Thus he did unto them. And they laded their asses and, with corn and, and departed thence. And, and we read the story a little bit ago. They saw the money. One of the brothers saw the money in the sack and they all started freaking out. So what did they receive? They did not receive what they deserved. But what did they receive? Grace. 
They got sacks of grain. They got their money back. Okay? And, I don't know if you picked up on this, but Joseph also gave them provision for the journey. The word provision means anything that they would need to make the journey back, Joseph gave it to them. Now think about this. And I have, I have been trying to wrap my head around this for the last couple of days, and I have yet to be able to do that. Why would Jesus Christ come to this earth, die on a cross for you and for me, for people that did not deserve it, so that when we die, we can go to heaven and walk the streets of gold? That makes no sense. Just saying. That's grace. Why would Joseph do the things that he did? It makes no sense. But for grace. My point is this. And and please, if 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 you're sleeping right now, wake up. Okay? Because this, what you came to church for this this part right here, okay? Because because this is really important. When I when this realization hit me on Friday morning, I was stunned. Now you may sit there and think, "Wow, that was kind of dumb." That's okay. I'm very simple, just saying, okay? But it dawned on me. If Joseph had just decided to be kind to his brothers, he would have seen them, introduced himself and said, hey, if you want to stay alive, you better get out of Dodge. Had had the story ended there, we would have said, wow, that was pretty kind of Joseph that he didn't kill his brothers. He just sent them home. But what if we said Joseph was very kind to his brothers? We would say, okay, number one, he didn't kill them. And then he let them buy food. We would say Joseph was very kind to his brothers. But you see, my point is this. Joseph wasn't kind to his brothers. He showed them grace. He showed them grace. And when I was reading this story the other day, the reality of grace just hit me between the eyes because grace and kindness are two completely different things. Look back at verse 28. Near the, the, the last half of verse 28 says, and, they, they, and their hearts failed them. In other words, ha, have you ever had something happen to you and your heart stop? <laughs> or jump up into your throat? or You, you know what I mean. Okay, that's, that's what this is talking about. Um, their hearts failed them, and they were afraid, saying one to another, what is this that God hath done unto us? There's a sad note here. As I read this, I, 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 the, one of the first things I thought of was the fact that 
these guys were so unused to grace in their lives, they didn't recognize it when it happened. Chances are, living in the home that they lived in and the culture that they lived in, grace was something that did not happen in their culture very often and probably not in their family. And when it finally happened to them, they got, they, it, they got scared. But there is also a blessing in this statement here, and that is this. For the first time, since we've been studying the life of Joseph from chapter, I think it was 36, to chapter 42 in the life of Joseph and his brothers, for the first time we see the, the brothers acknowledge the fact that God is doing something in their lives. They finally get the fact that God is doing something in their lives. And so often... We allow the circumstances, as as things are spinning out of control around us, we allow the circumstances of life to take over God's master plan for our lives. And praise God, in this particular situation, God used Joseph to keep his plan in place. And his brothers, for the first time, started to see the hand of God in it all. we see that Joseph was willing to forgive and demonstrate grace in the lives of his brothers. We need to learn from Joseph. A few minutes ago, I read you a very lengthy passage in Luke chapter 6 part of the Sermon on the Mount. And I said that Jesus upped the ante, if you would, on grace. Let me read to you again verse 35 of that passage. But love ye your enemies. Were his brothers his enemies? Absolutely they were. But love ye your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Now in closing, let me say this. God's grace, undeserved favor. But it's, again, it's it's so much more than that. As I have contemplated this word grace and I've seen it lived out in the life of Joseph over and over and over, as I sat at my desk on, well, I guess it was actually yesterday, as I sat at my desk yesterday and I, and, I, and I contemplated this idea of grace, I asked myself, God, how can I have that kind of grace? 
Because I need that kind of grace. How can I have that kind of grace? And it's almost immediately when I prayed that prayer, God reminded me of the words of John the Baptist in John chapter 3 and verse 30. He said this, He must increase, but I must decrease. And as I sat and I prayed, God, I need grace in my life. I need to live a life like Joseph where I demonstrate grace and not bitterness. And when I prayed and I asked God, God, how can I do that? He simply said, I must increase. You must decrease. God used this passage to speak to my heart. And I told you at the beginning, I was just going to be transparent and just share with you what God gave me. I trust it's been a blessing to you, an encouragement to you. But who's the most important person in your life? Jesus Christ or you? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, as we come to you this morning, we ask you to speak to our hearts because we are absolutely a needy people. And Lord, we need you. We desperately need you in our lives. With every head bowed and every